Awesome. Good morning, church. How are we today? Pastor John sends his regards. He's at our Melton campus, preaching up a storm there, bringing them the vision for 2024. If you were here last week, he shared it with us. So he's very much on fire and raring to go. And then later on today, we'll have our two services at our two campuses in the Philippines. So lots happening at Centrepoint Church at the moment. Um, in March, we start our third campus in the Philippines. So he is supercharged and so excited. So a bit of a disclaimer for 2024 because John's coming. So I mean, let's just pray before we start this morning. Lord, we love you and we just thank you. We love everything you're doing at Centrepoint Church. We love that you're our Father, that you care for us and that you're just detailed. And we want to raise our hands to Frank Toro this morning. For those of you that don't know, he's a member of our church and he's suffered a mild stroke. Lord, you know Frank, he is your son. And right now in his hospital bed, just touch him. Holy Spirit, brood over Frank right now. He can't keep his eyes opened and his legs just aren't quite functioning. So we just pray a complete healing on Frank's body now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So last year I did a bit of a series on the women that were listed in the genealogy of Jesus and we looked at their lives. And I thought this year would be fitting to actually look at Jesus himself. I want to do a couple of series on... God becoming a man, Jesus Christ, our saviour, leaving heaven and coming down to earth and becoming a man for our sake and experiencing this life. You know, we've just celebrated Christmas, uh, Jesus, the reason for the season. And uh, I just thought it'd be awesome this year to just concentrate. For me personally, John will do his, his thing because that's what John does. But I'm a studier. I like to, to do a bit of a deep dive and, and look in and study and research. And, and I've already got a thousand things that I want to share with you this year about Jesus, our Saviour, coming to earth and becoming a man. When Jesus was conceived, God became a man and he did that for us. We can now know God fully because Jesus made him visible and tangible. Those that spent one-on-one time with Jesus on this earth back in the day got to actually touch God. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him all the fullness of deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. That's why Jesus came. He came to show us the Father, to reveal his heart. But he also came to show us the way to the Father. And that's a little bit about where I want to go this morning and how to live as his child. Because I don't know about you, but prior to coming into a relationship with Jesus, I really didn't know how to be God's child. I did it wondering. I did it hoping that I was doing the right thing. But, you know, if we read our Bible through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can know exactly how to get to the Father, and we can know exactly and precisely how to live as his child. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus describes himself in seven I am statements, and I want to take a look at those this morning. The first one being John 6.35. He says, I am the bread of life. 
When we repent of our sins and are baptised and filled with God's spirit, we awaken our spirit. Who remembers that? Who remembers something inside of them when you prayed that prayer of repentance and awakening? And Jesus here is using the analogy of bread. I am the bread of life. Bread is a staple. How good is it when you eat a piece of bread? Have you ever done a diet where you don't eat carbs and then you eat a piece of bread? (laughs) Come on, let's get real. Your stomach is immediately full. It's pleased. It actually says, thank you for giving me that bread. And that's why Jesus is using that analogy. I am the bread of life. See, he's now satisfies that spiritual life that we've awakened. And he wants to come into our life. He wants us to invite him in so that we can daily walk and talk with him. And he wants to be our sustenance. He wants to be that which grows us and feeds us. And in the fellowship, that we have with him, he becomes our stable, our bread of life. In John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. When we are in relationship with, De- with Jesus, the darkness of this world cannot harm us. And I want to just really stress this one because this one was near and dear to me. The darkness of evil never has and never will overcome God's light. Jesus is the creator of life and his life, when it comes into your life, removes all the darkness. And I experienced this at a level that was paramount in my life. I grew up so fearful. Everything scared me. I had nightmares. I couldn't be left alone. I was either with my mum my brother, my sister, and then when John came along when I was 16, I was with John. I was actually never alone. I was the youngest of three kids, and I was that child that never wanted their own room. I always wanted to be sleeping in a room with someone because the nights were the worst, was when I got the most fearful. And when we got saved, and I'm not sure if Pastor Rob remembers this, but he and John delivered me of my fear. And people that say demon deliverance is unreal, well, I'm here to testify that they are because so many dark spirits left my body. The fear that left my body, it was real, it was loud. I verbally dispelled that fear. And then a couple of weeks later, John took a night job. I I can remember it. I'm sitting in my house in Bandura on the edge of the bed and he's getting ready to go to work. It's almost midnight and I'm sitting there thinking, I've never spent a night alone in my life. I'm 21 years old now and he's getting ready to go to work and he looks at me and he says, are you going to be all right? And I remember looking at him and saying, actually, I am. And I remember lying down. I remember praying. And then I remember waking up at seven the next morning. And I thought, wow, my fear had gone because I had introduced Jesus into my life. And his light took the darkness out. Amen. The darkness of of evil never has and never will overcome God's life. This light also also shows us that we are sinners in need of a saviour. Like I said before, I can remember standing there 
and hearing the, the message of that you need to repent and accept Jesus into your life. And I was a believer. I went to the Catholic Church every Sunday. But I remember when that light of Jesus shone right in my heart and I knew that I knew that I knew that I had to repent and get my life right with, before God. And when we enter into a relationship with him, his light keeps us on the right path, no longer needing to stumble in the dark trying to figure out this life. You know, I just um, flew home from Coffs Harbour and we landed in the dark and the lights on the, on the runway were on and there was no one in the plane panicking, wondering if the pilot was going to land the plane correctly and safely. But because of those lights we were able to land on the runway. And Jesus is, is that light. He guides us on our journey and he keeps us on the right track. In the Old Testament, God led the children of Israel by two pillars of fire at night so that they could, be, so that they could see in the darkness. And those pillars represented God's presence, protection and guidance. And Jesus this morning is saying... If you will have me as your light, I want to be your. I want to be present with you, and I want to bring you um, protection and guidance. Amen. Then in John chapter ten, he makes two statements. The first one is, "I am the good shepherd." What we need to understand here is, a hired hand tends to the sheep because they're paid. A shepherd tends to the sheep because he loves them. They're his. He owns them. He paid a price for them. And Jesus this morning is saying, I am the good shepherd. He's our shepherd. He's committed to us. This is not a job for Jesus. Jesus isn't getting paid for this. He paid to be our shepherd. He's the one who paid the price to be our shepherd. And he's saying he wants to be our good shepherd and he wants to lead us. And he proved that to us by laying down his life for us. And in John 10, 7, he said, I am the gate, I am the door. And I never really understood this one. I thought, okay, you're the shepherd, that's great. Why do we also need to know that you're the gate? But he uses this analogy because at night, the shepherd would bring the sheep into the penfold and then he, there would be a gate, an entrance, and the shepherd would lie across that entrance so that if a wolf or a bear or somebody came to harm the sheep, he was the first port of call. He would meet the wolf. He would meet the lion, the, the bear, whatever it was that was coming to attack the sheep. And Jesus is saying this morning to us, I want to be your shepherd and I want to sit and sleep and stay across the entrance to your life and keep you and protect you from anything that wants to come and harm you. It's beautiful. It's just a beautiful analogy. And when I was thinking of that, I always think of the flags. Who watches Bondi Rescue? I watch it. I think it's hilarious. It's actually the foreigners who all drown, isn't it? It's never the Aussies. Why don't the Aussies drown on Bondi Rescue? Come on. They swim between the flags. They sw Has anyone ever drowned between the flags? They've not. Because the Coast Guard goes out and he drives that buggy up and down the beach 
and he looks for the rips and I don't know what it is. I'm not really, I don't like surf beach. I wouldn't go into surf beach whether it was between the flags or not. But he does his job and then he puts those flags. And if you notice, sometimes they move the flags because things change out there. If you stay between the flags, Jesus is saying, if you stay in the sheep pen, I'm going to keep you. But you've got to stay in the sheep pen. You have to ask Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Saviour. You have to welcome his light to take away the darkness. You have to welcome his light to shine on what it is that needs to be removed. I, I, I needed things removed to then and to, to have everything that Jesus wanted for me to come in. But I had to get rid of that, that fear, that darkness that was in there from when I was a little girl. It had to go. It couldn't coexist with Jesus. And Jesus was saying to me, Trish, I'm your light. Get rid of it. It's no good for you. Get rid rid of it so I did and thank God you know John and Robert were there we were at a retreat retreats are paramount if if this church ever runs runs a retreat I want you guys to run there because things happen at retreats and I don't know what my husband just brand new Christian you know just decided to put his hand on my back and start to pray for me so that that fear would be gone and it It did, because it's a promise. Jesus says, if you allow me to come in, I will remove the darkness. Amen? (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. Just turn to someone. Don't watch me drink water and just tell them how amazing they are. I've had a cold for three weeks and I just cannot shake this cough. That's better. In John 11.25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. As the creator of life, Jesus was making the statement that he who is life has the power to restore life. I know without a doubt that I got my life back once I accepted Jesus in my heart. There was no doubt about it. He forgave my sins. He has the power to forgive my sins. And he did. He restored me. He gives us a spiritual life that darkness and death can no longer conquer or diminish in any way. What, a, what an assurance, what an assurance to know that without a doubt, Jesus can come into our life and restore us and give us salvation, offer us eternal life. That's beautiful. I, can, I, remember, I remember having that, listening to the born again message. My, a lot of my fear as a little girl was dying and going to hell. I don't even know where that fear came from. I don't remember hearing it, but that was a fear. It was a real fear in my life. And I remember hearing for the first time a gospel born again message telling me from the, the book of John, repent for the remission of your sins. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and you can be guaranteed salvation. Man, I didn't walk to the altar. I ran to the altar. I think I ran to the altar every Sunday for a year because I just wanted to make sure, make sure 100%. But we don't need to. We don't need to. That was just something I had to do. But Jesus this morning is saying, I am the resurrection and the life. If you will allow me, I want to forgive your sins And I want to make you right with God. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I was forgiven. Jesus came and died for me so that I could be saved. So that I, Trista Checo, could have a relationship with Jesus. That was massive for me. 
Now, if you, read, if you read your Bible, you'll note that the Pharisees could not cope when Jesus would tell the people that their sins were forgiven, and he did it on multiple occasions, and they just could not cope. See, they believed only God could do this, and there lies the problem, because when Jesus came, he was God. Jesus is God, and that's what they couldn't cope with. The Jews believed the Old Testament and all it said It's amazing. They grew up hearing the stories of this amazing God. They knew how powerful he was. They knew the prophecies that there was a Messiah coming, a saviour. But yet, when Jesus came, they rejected him. Very, very sad. They could not cope when he made statements like John 14, 6. And that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amplified Bible reads, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Very basic verse, isn't it? It's a very, very basic verse, verse, but it's so important because there is only one way to God. The only way we get salvation, the only way we get this assurance, the only way we get this life without darkness is through Jesus, is through accepting him as our Lord and Saviour. He is the only way. By uniting our lives with his, we are united with God. Trust Jesus to show you the way, teach you the truth, and show you the life, and teach you how to live this life. I needed lots of instruction when I was young, I was 20. No, actually, I was 18. Sorry, when I got saved. Um, so I needed a lot of instruction. I had faith in God, but I didn't know anything about him. So I invited Jesus in and I, I put myself under his authority and I accepted the counsel of those that he put in my life and, and sat under teaching. And John and I learnt how to live this way. Jesus, he's so good. (laughs) He is the visible, tangible image of the invisible God. He is the complete revelation of what God is like. And I searched for that. I really, really, really wanted to know who God was and what he was like. I wanted to know my heavenly father. And Jesus explained in this chapter, in in the book of John, to the disciples to know him is to know the father. Because they were asking him questions and he says, to know God is to know me. Have, I'm with you, therefore you know God. And in Hebrews 1.1 1, 1, it says, and that, and that passage of scripture is titled, Jesus Christ is God's son. Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, here he goes again, he sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God. See, God speaks to us through Jesus. Jesus expresses the very character of God. See the intricate relationship? He made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. It was because of the blood that he shed at Calvary that we now are able to have a relationship to God. 
And now he is seated back in heaven where he rightfully belongs. That, those three verses are just an amazing passage of scripture. The commentary tells us that the book of Hebrews describes in detail how Jesus Christ not only fulfills the promises and prophecies of the Old Testament, but is better than everything in the Jewish system of thought. That's why the writer of Hebrews wrote the book of Hebrews. See, most Jews had rejected Jesus, but the recipients of this letter, this book, were Jewish Christian converts. Now, hear me on this. I'm going somewhere with this. These were Jews that had put their faith in Jesus being the Messiah. They were a minority for that day. They had professed faith in Christ. But whether through doubt, persecution or false teaching, life, demands, whatever, you've lost your job, whatever, things were happening, they were in danger of giving up their Christian faith and returning to Judaism. They were contemplating to stop believing in Jesus and going back to the Old Testament way. They were going back to their old ways where God only spoke to man in visions, dreams and to a select few like Abraham and Moses personally. They were going to give up their one-on-one relationship with God because of the trials of this world to go back to hearing from God through another man. They were contemplating giving up the idea that they could have a personal one-on-one relationship with God. That, that saddened me. When I was doing this study, I was, I was saddened by that, but also reminded that it's still happening today. That second part of Hebrews 1.3 says, When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. The Jews struggled to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They were struggling to believe that God, the creator of this earth, who now is Jesus on this earth, his representation, the very man who created the world, was able to cleanse them of their sin. They were struggling with this. God can and does forgive us when we come to him through his Son. That Jesus sat down means that the work was complete, Christ's sacrifice was final and this is what they were battling with. So my question this morning is how do we stay strong in this faith? How do we stay strong on a daily basis in this faith? Continue to have this belief, not be in danger like these Jews or doubt or in doubt of losing our faith. And in the seventh and final I am statement, I believe that Jesus reveals the final plan, the, the, the end, the bookend to these seven I am statements. And I love that about God. If you read your Bible, there's nothing cryptic about God's plans for you. They're there. They're laid out for you. There's a roadmap in the Bible for you, for your life. And in John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. He's the conduit that connects us and God is the gardener. He's the one that goes around the vine and cares for the fruit and does what it is that he needs to do, the pruning. It's a message all in itself, this one verse. And God does what it is that he needs to do. And we, because if if you read a little bit further down in John 15 verse 5, it says we are the branches. 
But not just branches for branches' sake, branches so that we will produce fruit. God is our gardener so that we will produce fruit. And a grapevine, and again, I did a little study. Did you know it's a prolific plant? And that means that it's able to bear numerous vines. See, this life is available to everybody. Everybody. The, the amount of people that, can, that Jesus can connect into the vine is numerous. And the amount of fruit that can be bared is countless. And Jesus just wants more and more and more people to get, be connected to him. In the Old Testament, grapes symbolized Israel's fruitfulness in doing God's work on the earth. Father God wants us to continue his work on the earth. We are now like Jesus, God's manifestation on the earth and how others will see him. Hear me on this. We, Jesus has gone. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father back in heaven. But we are here. And we now are his manifestation. We are now how people will see him. So John 15.1 is the plan. But in John 15.4, he gives us the how-to. And John 15.4 reads, Remain in me. And I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. Unless we remain in Jesus, we lose our connection to God. That is a given. A branch that is cut off and put next to the tree, will it survive? It cannot. The the plant will get watered the branch will wither and die. We must stay connected. Remaining in Jesus means five things to me, and I believe they're up on the board. Believing that he is God's son, receiving him as Lord and saviour, doing what God says, continuing to believe the good news, relating in love to the community of believers, Christ's body, the church. Notice that this is believing, not believe, receiving, not receive, doing, not do. I know I'm stressing this, but I want to. Continuing and relating. This is an ongoing, continual lifestyle for us. We don't just on, well, I got saved Oh gosh, I'm going to share my age now. It was 19, I don't know, I don't know what year it was, I don't know, some year, (laughs) that I actually confessed with my mouth, yes God, I believe Jesus is your son, but I do that every day. I, I confess every day, just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending your son. And we nurture this by reading the word. I'm reminded every time I read the word to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. Every time I'm in prayer and praise, communicating with God, I'm reminded that Jesus is the Son of God, that I needed to receive Him as my Lord and Saviour, that I need to do what God tells me to do, that I need to continue to believe the good news and that I need to go out and relate to others in my community. We don't just do this once off. Do you know how many people have stopped believing this and have walked away from Jesus being their Lord and Saviour? When I looked up the statistics, I was quite astounded. And again, I believe they're on the board behind me. 
In 2021, Australian census showed that 43.9% of Australians classified themselves as Christians. And that's amazing. Almost half of Australia classifies themselves as Christians. But look at the next part. 8.2% decrease from five years before. And next year, we're about to do another one. And I pray that that, that that little percentage doesn't go up. In actual fact, it goes down. See, just like the Jews of old, it's still happening today. Whether they're stopping and believing that Jesus is the way to God or whether they're just giving up their faith altogether, because then that statistic goes on that the second largest classification, 38.9%, is those that identify as no religion. That's sad. That saddens my heart. They've forgotten John 14, 16, John 14, 6, that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's very, very sad. So it can, don't think it can't happen because it can happen. We're to continue daily believing, receiving, doing, continuing and relating. Jesus came to show us the Father, yes, but also a way of life. And there's things that we need to do, just like there is when you belong to any family. There's things that we need to do. And it's not just on a Sunday. And it's not just through your leaders. This is now where we're maturing and we're coming into our walk with Christ. And now we want to take on a maturity and we want to start conversing with God ourselves. Don't be like the Jews that only wanted to hear from the the priest. Be like the Jesus followers, why he came, why he died, so that we could hear from him directly. That's, that's the, the message this morning. To stay in relationship with Jesus is going to take us being intentional. We don't play church. We are the church. And I'll close with this. Connected to God through Jesus, God being our gardener, caring for us so that we will produce much fruit, continuing on his work now that Jesus has shown us the way, taught us the truth and made it possible Father God is asking us this morning, will we continue the work that Jesus started? Will we get on board with his mission? Will we start to outwork what it is that we have come into a revelation of? He wants to know that from us this morning. Will we make an intentional, conscious decision to remain and abide in our Saviour this morning? I want to challenge us. Wake up every day and remind ourselves who God is, because that's what it's going to take. What Jesus has done for us and who we now are because of what Jesus did. We are now sons and daughters of God. That is not to be taken lightly. That is an honor. That is a privilege. And God wants to, he doesn't need our thanks, but boy, he loves it when we thank him, when we remember, when we just say, thank you, Jesus. And I just want to remind us of the statement that I started with. When Jesus was conceived, God became a man. We can now know God fully because Jesus made him visible and tangible. So my challenge this morning is Galatians 2.9. Will you be that expressed divine image of God for those in your world, in your family, in your community, in your workplace? 
will you take on the vision of this church to make God's love known? Jesus says to the, said to the disciples, have I been, I've been with you so long, you've seen the Father. I'm his representation. If we want people to know God, we have to go out there and be that express divine image that God is. If we could all just stand, we're going to sing that song that we just that we started with this morning, the praise song, and really just think. Think about your relationship with God. Start the song, please, guys. Think about what God has done for you and just sing these lyrics. They're absolutely amazing. Thank you.